I figured out who the neighbor around the corner is. Oh, yeah? I like him a lot. Ooh. He lets me talk as much as I want, is very simple, and has great plans. <laughs> okay, I have to meet him. Sure. Say hi. This is Metro PCS. Metro PCS is in your neighborhood. Come say hi and get unlimited data, talk, and text for only $30, period. All on the fast nationwide 4G LTE T-Mobile network. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. One gigabyte of high-speed data included. See store for details, terms, and conditions of data management info. SRN Survival Radio Network. Hi, this is Mark Parham, and I want to welcome you to the Cat Builder Talk radio show. News, interviews, and the information you need to start and grow your small business. Real talk with real people talking about issues facing small business and our community today. To listen to past shows, sign up to be a guest, or contact me, go to catbuildertalk.com, or find me on Facebook under Cat Builder Talk. Enjoy the show. Hey, this is Mark Farham. Welcome to another episode. Real talk with real people talking about real issues facing small business in our community today. Helping you build the capacity to change your life. Trying to help you walk in your purpose. Now starting at a new time of 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're broadcasting live from our studios in Kalamazoo, Michigan. There's going to be a few other changes in the future. Uh, We're going to be moving to a two-hour format. I'm going to be looking for people to add content on a regular basis, either live or pre-recorded. So if you have an idea, contact me. Let me know. Let's talk about it. Because I'd love to help you get your voice out there. Now, the Cat Builder Talk Show is focused on giving you the information you need to make, make changes in your life. Because information is key. Okay? With the right information, you can make educated decisions. Tonight, we're going to be talking about educating our youth. Okay? And during the Cat Builder Minute, I'm going to be talking about the wills and skills that an entrepreneur must have in order to succeed. So before we get started, I'm going to do the Survival Radio Network Business of the Week. Are you tired of negative news? Would you like to hear about the many positive things your fellow man is capable of doing? Become a part of the Survival Radio Network TV channel by subscribing. It's free. With over 500 videos, we're covering those stories and more. Go to www.srntv.us and simply click on the red subscribe button. That's it. We're looking to get over 1,000 subscribers, and with your help, we'll achieve our goal. SRN, we do media too. Now, tonight's show, there's currently a very big debate of the effectiveness of our public school system, how well it works, are children really getting an education, are the teachers teaching, are they more like daycare workers? I mean, down here in Atlanta, there's even a teacher scandal where teachers are actually going to prison for what they do for their lives. So we're going to have a conversation tonight. You know, I'm going to bring on two guests. Uh, the first guest I'm going to bring on is Artadius Miller. He's the founder and executive director of the Utopian Academy for the Arts here in Georgia. And then I'm going to bring on Andrea Carter. She's the founder and executive director of Mosaic Schools in Indiana. They're going to be talking about each of their stories, why they are doing what they do. We're going to be talking about the state of our education system today, new ways to educate our youth, and what you can do to help with your child's education. I want you to listen to this, what you can do. Don't put it all on the teachers, but we're going to have a conversation about that. But 
It's going to be a great show. I want you to stay tuned. And if you know somebody that's dealing with issues in school, tell them to dial into this particular show and make sure they listen to it on the playback. And last week's show was about youth again. It was about raising successful young men. And I had Dr. Ed Womack. He's the founder of the Man Rise Up movement. And I also had Diamond McNulty. He's a young man, author of the book, How to Raise a Successful Young Man. And Diamond said he's going to take over the world, global domination. It was a great show. Uh, we talked about our youth, what's going on with our young men today. If you haven't listened to this show, I want you to go go to catbuildertalk.com, listen to this show so you can understand what's going on with our youth. Because it's, it's a big situation. That Catbuilder Marketing, as I mentioned before, new show, new time, new format. I want to add your content. So if you're a writer, a blogger, or content producer, please contact me. I'm launching a Cat Builder Talk magazine, so I'm going to be putting your content also in an electronic magazine that will be going out on a regular basis. And for those of you that have businesses and want to reach the audience that we're talking to, I'll start letting you advertise and be, become sponsored of the show and advertise in the magazine for very, very reasonable prices. It's time to start monetizing the show so I can make it even better and reach more people. And you can help me. Coming events tomorrow night, June 27th or June 28th at the Urban League. We're going to have a free workshop on navigating the complex terrain of managing employees. Chelsea C. Owens of HR Knowledge Source is going to be there talking about how to select good people, classifying them, encouraging them to do their best, and other aspects of human resources that you all have to know in order to have a small company. Also, on Thursday, uh, ACE Lowe's is having a promotional marketing and branding workshop at the uh, Flatiron Building. It starts at 8.30 a.m. and goes to 10 a.m. Go to acelowes.org to check us out. And then on Saturday the 9th, I'll be doing a workshop, a business plan boot camp at the ACE Women's Business Center in Norcross. We're going to be talking about how to get that plan out of your head and on the paper. So we're going to have a great show tonight. I'm really excited about it. I've been having conversations about education. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to go to break here, and when I come back, I'm going to do my mind power. I can't build a minute. I'm going to be talking about five skills and the three wills you need to have to be a great entrepreneur. I had a great article today. I want to give that information to you. So you're listening to Mark Parham. Can't build a talk, real talk with real people talking about real issues facing small business in our community today. Do you want to take your business to the next level? Ultimate Business Solutions provides the support you need to increase your customer base and sell more products and services online. Specializing in graphic arts, web development, and internet marketing, Ultimate Business Solutions creates the face of your business. If you're looking for a custom logo, dynamic website, or popping marketing material, call Ultimate Business Solutions today at 404-704-2197 or visit www.ultimatebiz.com. Solutions.com. Ultimate Business Solutions. Let us create your future. College is important, but it can also be expensive. 
College Planning Services is a group of educators, administrators, counselors, and other licensed professionals that work together to provide the necessary services, networks, and information to reach students that are serious about getting a college education. College Planning Services partners with financial institutions, corporate sponsors, and other major players in the global market to strategize in building a pool of information regarding financial aid, scholarships, and funding information to assist students in preparing to access the essential resources to build upon their path to an educational future. Learn more at collegeplanningtoday.com and let us help you start your college career. Survival Radio Network. Hey, this is Mark Parham, and I'm coming back at you with Jerry's Brown, Mind Power. That's what we're going to be talking about here for the next few minutes. I can't build a minute tonight. It's about five skills and wills it takes to be a great entrepreneur. You know, oftentimes the word great is it's overused, but used mistakenly. You know, when we see greatness, we wonder what makes up this mystical level of performance. Is it, is it in the genes? Is it luck? Maybe there's something given to us by a higher power, but I'll tell you one thing, it's people that are top performers. You know, a lot goes into it. So when we look at great athletes or entrepreneurs, you know, they're successful, the one thing they have in common is that they're all wired with heaping spoons of skills and will. They have both, okay? Skills with no will. Having a skill is necessary to reach great success. That alone is just a piece of the pie. You have to improve your skills, but it takes something else. It takes will, willpower to make up the other half of that recipe. And it's mental. It dictates our physical. It it controls our efforts to succeed or fail. You know, when we think about the people that if they didn't have will, it would be kind of hard, like Michael Jordan or Steve Jobs, Tiger Woods, Mark Zuckerberg, Muhammad Ali or Oprah Winfrey. Without the will that they had, the skills wouldn't matter. You know, we think about the little engine that could. It's, it's a great story of mental toughness, but great skills don't work alone. So those of you that have put the work in and effort into a specific craft know what sacrifice means. So we're going to talk about a few skills that you got to have and then a few wills that you got to have in order to move to greatness. One skill you got to have is authenticity. Letting people know that you not only understand, but you know what you think and how you feel. It builds connectivity. Allow your personal and your business story to be heard, but be truthful about it. People want to trust you. They want to do business with you. And being true to yourself, you can win fans that will help your business grow. Skills number two is decisiveness. You you have to be decisive. If you're indecisive, you won't make any decisions. You'll keep going back and forth. Sometimes you got to be decisive. And as I listen to, you know, Les Brown say, if you're going the wrong way, just turn around and go back the other way. That's probably the right way. So you got to make a decision. you got to move forward. Progress can only be made by making decisions. So don't not make them. Go ahead and make it. Another skill of having tough skin, one thing entrepreneurs must endure is rejection. 
not everyone's going to believe in your you or your idea, or they may not want your product. The great news is that your belief doesn't require anyone else's belief. During the rough times, revisit your why, and don't let anybody try to deter you or take your dreams away. It's yours to win or lose. You can't blame anyone else. Number four, networking. As an entrepreneur, your time is extremely valuable. You've got all these to-dos, everybody asking you to do things. Connecting with people remains the number one skill of an entrepreneur. So you've got to make sure when you connect, it's with a purpose. Okay? Don't just go and just to hang out when you go to these networking events. Don't underestimate the power in people resources. Get from behind the computer or on the phone and cultivate the relationships personally, face-to-face. All right, you got to get out there. And number five, this is probably the most important one of all these, you got to find a way to kill that stress. You combine compassion and stress together, you get a deadly cocktail, sometimes a poor thinking and bad decision-making. So energy is an invaluable asset as an entrepreneur, but your energy gets wiped out, so you've got to find a way to manage your stress. you got to find a way to de-stress yourself so you can walk away and come back refreshed. And now for the wills. Just three of them. I'll be right out. We're going to get right to this conversation. Will number one, you've got to have perseverance. This is the mother of all wills. You've got to have it. The pathway to success will be void of challenges, but you've got to have perseverance. Your ability to navigate and assess the different situations that arise become essential in your success. How you react and respond to different obstacles is a mental exercise worth working on. So push it and gain confidence. Number two, you have to have the will to succeed. It's the one thing to dream about success, but visualizing it means making it real, almost though it's really happening. So you gotta, you got to have this will. you got to know that you can. you got to put yourself in a position and act out how it would be. A lot of times you hear about athletes, you know, Michael Jordan shoot the basket, seeing the ball go in before he made the shot. So you got to will those balls in. And the last one is improvement. You can't grow without constant improvement. You got to get better every day. You got to learn. You got to study. You got to do things that help you understand, take it to the next level. Because to be an entrepreneur is one thing, but to be a great one, you have to work at it. So these are skills and wills coming to you from Mark Parham, Cat Builder Talk. Cat Builder Minute. We're going to go to break. When I come back, we're going to start this conversation about our education system. We're going to bring up Artevius Miller first. We're going to talk about what he's doing. Then we're going to have a conversation with Miss Andrea Carter. She's going to be, you know, we've been talking the past couple of weeks about school and education, and she has a lot to tell you. But stick with me. Cat Builder Talk, real talk with real people, telling about real issues facing small business in our community today. I will be right back. I'm going to take you out a little more. James Brown. Come on, James. Welcome to Ladybug's Glamorous Spa and Boutique. We are a mobile spa business providing top quality services to young girls ages 5 to 18. 
We offer a variety of glamorous, all-natural services and treatments, and it is our mission to promote self-love and self-confidence. Young ladies, always remember, before you can soar, you must learn to FLY. First, to love yourself. Visit our website for more information on how you can book a custom spa party today at www.ladybugspas.com. Do you have a business, product, service, or an event coming up? Is your current marketing getting you nowhere? Survival Radio Network is an award-winning network with over 1 million downloads. We're offering high-exposure 30-second spots on our network, reaching diverse demographics both locally and nationwide. Give us a call at 323-977-8172 or visit our website at www.survivalradionetwork.us today. SRN, we do radio. Do you have tax issues, owe back taxes, or need tax relief? Contact L&B Tax Service today. L&B offers you over 15 years of expertise and first-class tax service for individuals, professionals, and business owners. With nationwide service, you can easily find a location near you. Contact one of our tax professionals through our website, lbtaxservice.com. That's www.lbtaxservice.com. L&B Tax Service Incorporated. Tax professionals that you can trust. Survival Radio Network, with now more than 1 million downloads. Congratulations to the staff, producers, engineers, and hosts for your tireless pursuit of excellence. And thank you, our loyal listeners, for supporting this movement to inspire, motivate, and educate people worldwide. Survival Radio Network, Survival Radio Christian Network, and our new Survival Sports Radio Network broadcast top-notch shows Sunday through Saturday. Check us out by visiting our website at www.survivalradionetwork.us. SRN, we do radio one million strong. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. You are tuned to the hottest network out. S-R-N. We do radio. Hey, it's Mark Parham and I'm back. Can't build a talk. Tonight we're going to be talking about educating our youth. And before I get into that, I'm going to set the stage for this conversation tonight. I'm going to be talking about our nation's education system. You know, they base it on a graduation rate. And I found some stats today. Like in 2012, black students had a 69% graduation rate. Hispanic students had a 73% graduation rate. Asian students had an 88%. And Caucasian students had an 86%. 30 years ago, America was a leader in quality and quantity of high school diplomas. Today, we're ranked 36th in the world. 1.3 million students don't graduate on time yearly. States with the highest rates are Wisconsin, Iowa, Vermont, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. State with the lowest are Nevada, New Mexico, Louisiana, Georgia, and South Carolina. 97% of low-income students rely upon school for Internet access. But 40 million students do not have high-speed Internet in school. So if the 1.3 million dropouts in the class of 2010 had graduated, the nation would have seen $337 billion more in earnings over the course of students' lifetime. So to start this conversation off tonight, 
I'm going to bring in my first guest, Mr. Artavius Miller. He's the founder and executive director of the Utopian Academy of the Arts in Atlanta, Georgia. Artavius, welcome to the show. Mark, thank you so much. Great. Good evening. Yeah. Man, things, I know you, you say you're traveling today. What do you do, pull over somewhere so you can talk to me tonight? Absolutely, man. I had to make time for you. I, I, I appreciate and respect what you're doing and want to make sure that um, I get a chance to talk about the work that I'm doing because it may inspire someone to indeed maybe possibly start a charter school one day and also just want to talk about the work that, that we do as school leaders because it's necessary, um, especially in urban communities like mine here in Clayton County, Georgia. All right. Well, before we get started, I'm going to read a little bit, a little of your bio, you know. As a product of the urban local public school system, Mr. Miller has seen hands-on the academic disparities and challenges that affect our youth. As a recipient of the prestigious Gates Millennium Scholarship Program, Mr. Miller attended and graduated from Morehouse College in 2009, Teachers College in 2011, and, and is currently enrolled as a Ph.D. student in the Educational Administration Policy Program at the University of Georgia. And once again, I'm going to welcome to the show. And as I do with everybody that comes on, that was my introduction for me to your bio. I want you to introduce yourself to the audience and let us know a little bit about you. And first, we're going to talk about you and how you got started. Then we're going to talk about this great school that you created and uh, just have a conversation. You know, it's very confusing, this charter school, public school thing, so I want to get your take on it. So you have the mic Absolutely. to introduce yourself. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Mark. So um, I have – been in education now for growing on the last eight years, and for me, um, I really like to say that my work in this field is generational but also genetic. So prior to starting Utopian Academy for the Arts, I was um, a investment banker. I spent some time, some summers on Wall Street with Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, and while I was really great at what I was doing, Mark, I really felt like I wasn't fulfilling my personal mission in life, which is to give back to you. And so I always had this interest in going into education. I just didn't know what capacity and at what point in my life I would actually make that entrance. And so it was when I started to um, apply for a number of graduate programs and uh, school leadership that I said, you know, I, I need to get back involved with working with students because as an undergraduate student, I had spent time volunteering in schools, running McDonald House charities, local nonprofits but I didn't have that full time or that full capacity of working with kids in the K-12 spectrum that I felt like I would eventually do. And so it was when I was accepted into a graduate program at Columbia University that I started volunteering on a day-to-day -day basis, and I started teaching Saturday school, um, and I started a college access coaching program for students that uh, were interested in going about the college process, but they just didn't know how. So going back to the root of why I decided to start the school, um, I mentioned before my work in education is generational and it's genetic. My great-grandmother started a schoolhouse in rural Mississippi in the early 1900s. So my great-grandmother had 12 children, and out of her 12 kids, six of them became educators. So there was always this, this growing interest for my relatives to get an education, and one of the reasons being it's because in the rural South, Mark, um, one of the, the ways in which we knew as a people, um, as an African-American race, um, in order for us to advance um, and grow as a people, we knew that it began with a sound education. 
So similarly for me growing up here in Atlanta, I felt like I was very um I felt like I was very much um, a beneficiary of a quality education. And so I wanted to ensure that students in my my um my city of residence and and and, and hometown also had access to a high quality education. And so coming off of the heels of the loss of accreditation in Clayton County back in 2008, I didn't understand how this could happen and there not be any change to take place for the better for not only these students, but also these families that are now disheartened to see that their children don't have an option outside of Georgia in terms of uh, higher ed. And so I started going through the process of working to, to start the school, and, and, I, and I know you have more questions, but I wanted to just give a high level of really what inspired me to start a school. Two things. One, it was my upbringing, and then two, I definitely saw a need. I felt like um, you have a community that has been underserved for quite some time, and I saw an opportunity to bring about change uh, through installing a high-quality educational model known as a charter school, Mark. Well, since well, since you went right where I was going, man. I, I, oh. I, listen, I don't have any kids. I, you know, I, I'm not really, you know, this whole charter school, public school debate thing. Explain it. What what is the big issue here? I mean, the public schools don't want the charter schools. I mean, I don't really understand it. So you could explain that so everyone Absolutely. has a better understanding of. That sounds great. So I'm in the business of education, so I'm going to help you understand, along with all of the listeners, about charter schools. So charter schools are public schools. They're considered public schools of choice. As a charter school, as a parent, you have the ability of enrolling your son or daughter in that school, irregardless of where you live. So I'm going to draw a comparison. Charter schools are very similar to magnet schools. So magnet schools are usually thematic in structure, they typically have some type of theme, school model, that parents and students alike will be attracted to. The difference between charter schools and magnet schools is magnet schools, you can actually have an admission criteria or application process, meaning you can have students write essays, they can submit test scores, they can audition if you have an arts-based school. But as a charter school, the, the minimum criteria to be admitted is you have to be just a resident of that school's attendance zone. So for us, we have a countywide attendance zone. So as long as you live within the 10 cities of Clayton County, Georgia, you can come to our school. Now, there's a lot of misinformation about charter schools. Are they, are they private schools? Do they charge tuition? Um, there's, there's a lot of misinformation that those misnomers are indeed true when they're not. So charter schools cannot accept um, tuition, from, from families, the way charter schools are funded and the way charter schools operate, and this is a national uh, function for charter schools, you receive what's called a per-pupil allotment. So that per-pupil allotment is a dollar amount for, for, for Georgia schools. It comes directly from the state. So you receive that amount of dollars, let's just say, for example, $7,000 for each student. And so as your enrollment grows, so does your, your revenue as well. So charter schools have the responsibility, Mark, of actually outperforming their local school district. So you're given what's called a charter, which is a, which is a contract, typically for about a five-year period. 
You're given this charter contract with the hopes that you're going to use your school model to show through evidence that what you're doing is working. And traditionally in states like Georgia, where my school is located, you have your local comparison district in which your state assessment scores are compared against. And the state wants to see exactly how does your school differ or compare as it relates to um, your local school district. So charters are held more accountable than traditional public schools. So when charter schools aren't unfortunately doing well, they risk the possibility of losing their charter, which means they have to close their doors. And so mm-hmm. for states like Georgia that really don't have strong accountability systems for filling schools or filling school districts, this gives parents that opportunity to choose something that is innovative in terms of the school's model. And I'll tell you more about my school in just a second, but it gives parents the, op- mm-hmm. the option of choosing a school model that is innovative or fit the needs of their individual child. But then it also gives them the, the hopes of also knowing, too, that these are public schools that have to meet the same criteria as other traditional public mm-hmm. schools, meaning they have to have their students' um, uh, needs be met, whether it's special education, whether it's English as a second language. All of these things have to be met as a charter school. Um, and so for parents that are looking for something that's different, they actually have that choice, and that's really why charters exist is to give parents that option apart from their local neighborhood school because if you are in a zone or if you're in a district that has failing schools, unfortunately, as a parent, you're forced to send your child to that school because it's their local neighborhood school. But if you do have a charter school mm-hmm. that exists within your county or your city, then you now have a big enough hope to look forward to because you can send them to that charter school. So that's what the deal is then, so the charter schools actually compete with the existing school system. That why they don't, you know, you see a lot of them, no, we don't want them here, you know, because they're actually making the school system rise to the a competitive level now. Before they didn't have to compete, now they have to compete as well. That's, a, that's, that's a what you're making state. it sound like. A- absolutely. So you, you see in, in some communities, especially as in the case with Utopian. Um, Academy for the Arts, we face a lot of adversity because you have um, a school district um, that is within our local community that really has been complacent on status quo. So meaning there has been really a low performance of schools in the area as compared to the rest of the metro Atlanta school districts. And because there's really no sense of a competition or a, a sense of, of choice for parents to, to select, then those schools have just remained complacent. But when you have new schools that are introduced, guess what? You're going to have parents and students that are going to be attracted to your school because it's almost like a market share. As a parent, wow, now I have the option of being able to not just send my child to the local neighborhood zone school, but I can elect to send them to a charter school. And so for school districts or for some schools that may feel fear of losing those students to charter schools, then that means that they have to do a few things. It means they have to step their game up and have to improve their test scores or at least improve the perception that they're not doing so bad so the parents won't be so willing to just say, hey, I'm going to jump ship and I'm going to go to this charter school. So tell me this. I just had a caller uh, ask a question about 
do they have charter high schools, you know, like up in Michigan, the, the, the charter schools stop at eighth grade, and then they have to go to public. So what's the situation in Georgia? Can they go all the way up to 12th grade, or do they stop at a second grade there? That's an excellent question. Excellent question. So charter schools actually stand across all grades, K through 12. So a little bit about Utopian Academy for the Arts. So we are a charter middle school. So you have some charter schools that have a K-5 focus, elementary, a 6-8 focus, middle school, a 9-12 focus, high school, or a combination of all three. So for us as a charter school, we actually operate the middle school year. So right now we have 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. And a little bit about our school. So we have three main elements that makes our school unique. Because one thing that I probably failed to mention about charter schools is you have to have some type of unique feature that separates your school model apart from any other school in your local community. So we have single gender education. So we have all of our students take classes with peers of the same gender in each of their core content classes. We also have the arts. So we have anywhere from drama to dance, music appreciation, chorus, band, broadcast and video production, journalism, and culinary art at the middle school level. So some of these are traditional high school courses that our kids are taking at the middle school level. And then we offer Saturday school for arts enrichment and remediation. But for charter schools, even us as a, as a charter school, so right now we're middle school, but our goal is to actually grow. So we're going to have students go with us all the way starting from 6th grade through 12th grade. So in Michigan, to be okay. exact, there's a variation of school models, charter school models. So you have some schools that are K to K to 12. You have a full elementary, middle, and high school campus together. You have a lot in Michigan that are 6th through 12th grade, and then you do have some standalone uh, charter high schools as well. So what, um, at this point, you know, getting back to Georgia, you know, I've heard something about the governors doing this opportunity school districting where they want to come in and take over schools. So what's your take on that? I know I'm just throwing this out from left field, but uh, I got people who want to come on the show and talk about it. What's your take on yeah. the opportunity school district thing? So the opportunity school district is actually indirectly something that I just mentioned um, as it relates to the accountability of charter schools. So historically in states, uh, southern states, just like Georgia, we have not had a strong accountability system for schools that are chronically failing. I mean, you have schools that have been failing for 20-plus years, and there's been no, no form of education, educational reform. So when I say that they're failing, what does that mean? Well, these are schools that have consistently ranked very low in, in their outcomes on state assessments, either state or national assessment. So what happens when you don't have some type of accountability, then guess what? Those schools continue to underperform, but then those students that are attending those schools actually are not fully prepared by the time they actually graduate. So if these are elementary schools that are failing, you got to think about this, the trickle-down effect. So if these students are leaving elementary school not prepared, then that means that they're not receiving those foundational um, skill sets that they need to really be successful in their whole K-12 tenure. Or on the flip end, if these are high schools that are consistently failing, then you have schools that are not preparing students to be able to 
be admitted into a great college or university or even be successful if they are admitted to a college or four-year college or university. So I'm a strong proponent of having um, mechanisms like the Opportunity School District because you have to have some form of accountability. Charter schools are accountable in, in a short run of five years then we have to have some accountability measures for traditional public schools and school districts that are not preparing students in the manner in which they are, are designed to. So you have to have systems like this in place. And it's kind of sad that we're just getting to a place now in Georgia to do it. But, you know, fortunately we do have, um, you know, folks, legislators, including our, our state governor, that recognize that this is a need and we got to make sure that we, we're, we're doing our part. Address it. I know you got just a few minutes, but I want you to talk about some of the accolades that some of your students have achieved over the past Absolutely. couple of years. And, I, and I'll let you off the phone so you can get back on your trip there. But I, I just was yeah. so impressed when you explained to me a couple of weeks ago. So if you can talk about that, then I'll, I'll let you go. Sure thing. So first I'd like to start with academics because we are a school that that is measured on on performance on state assessment. So for us in our first year, we actually did outperform our comparison school district, uh, which is which is huge plus. Uh, we also, starting in our second year, have begun to take what's called the MAP assessment. So these are national tests to see how does your school compare against other schools in your state and schools nationally. And we actually outperformed the state's objective um, for for all of our students, sixth through eighth grade, so that was another huge plus. We are an art school, so we have a lot of things that we try to expose our students to in the in the elements of various arts. And I'm proud to say that out of a hundred students selected each year to participate in the Alvin Ailey Dance Company, which is a free summer intensive training camp for students and young adults that are interested in learning dance. Out of the 100 students selected to go to this camp every summer, 14 were selected last year. Another 14 were selected this year from Utopian Academy for the Arts. We have eight students that were selected out of 25 young adults in the city of Atlanta to participate in a program called Through My Lens Atlanta, which is an intensive film training program that takes young adults uh, between the ages of 15 to 21 and prepares them for filmmaking. So our students are actually 11 to 14, ages 11 to 14, but they secured eight slots that are traditionally offered to students 15 to 21. So extremely proud of that accomplishment. We have um, partnered with nonprofits and organizations within the arts community like the Ludacris Foundation, uh, Rapper Sensation, Actor, Philanthropist Ludacris has made our school a part of his foundation. Uh, we have a lot of in-kind programming that our students have done. Most recently, we had an event with Ludacris and Usher's Foundation back in February. We took 50 students. I think that back, we did this back in March. We took 50 students to uh, teach them about character building and leadership, which is a great experience for our students. We also recently have partnered with Atlanta Metro Studios, Atlanta Metro Studios is one of four uh, film studio complexes here in Atlanta that is uh, scheduled to make a lot of different productions from uh, animation films to uh, just the large big screen movies, as well as a new partnership with Pinewood Studios. 
uh, we're extremely excited about. This is the film studio complex that does all of Disney movies and, and Marvel, like the Avengers and Spider-Man. So in a short amount of time, so our school has only been in existence for two years, but in such a short amount of time, we've been able to do things that a lot of schools have not been able to do just in their lifetime. Our students were selected to perform and sing at the governor's inauguration. So last January, we were the only school in the state of Georgia invited um, to attend and perform at the governor's inauguration. Our kids, uh, through our Glee Club, they performed a special rendition of Georgia on my mind. And, I mean, it was just a standing ovation from all of the state legislators to just see that these students with such warm talents that don't audition to come to the school, but to see them collectively stand in front of a group and just woo them. I mean, it's, it's just a God-given gift. We have also have a state law named after our school, Mark, and this is I'm going back to um, a lot of challenges. I mentioned that our school has overcome some serious adversity, and this is, I'm sure, something we have to go back and maybe – uh, schedule some time to speak more on a later day, but I really want to talk through mm-hmm. some of the challenges that schools are experiencing still in 2016. So just in short, our school was delayed for a full two weeks in our first year, and this was because we had the local school board in our community and in our local city, uh, which is not Atlanta, but our local city, block our students from going to school for two weeks. And it got to a point where we had to file an injunction and temporary restraining order um, against um, city officials so that our kids could go to school. And it's just a very dramatic um, and traumatic experience that our students, our staff, our parents, all of our stakeholders went through. But we were on the news for a full two weeks, Mark. People were wondering, are these kids from Utopia never going to be able to go to school? And there was just a lot that happened in the start of our school year that was just uh, disheartening to see still taking place in 2016. But the highlight of all of this, Mark, was the fact that we had legislators in the 2015 General Assembly that said that we cannot let something like this take place again, not only for a charter school or a traditional public school, or private school, or any school in the state of Georgia should not have to go through this. And so it prompted legislators to introduce a bill that said that no city, county, school board, or local agency can block a school from entering or occupying a building once the state is signed off, which was the case. And that bill was signed into law last April, and that bill or that new law actually carries the school's name. So we have a state law named after our school here in Georgia, man, which is just a huge plus. Um, It's House Bill 372, the Utopian Academy for the Arts Act. And I would encourage anyone to Google it. And and thank you. And and, and to Google the school. And one last thing, we actually had a 13th state spread in the Atlanta Magazine about our school last January which really gives a great snapshot about charter schools in Georgia for folks learning about charter schools, but it really centers on utopian and it tells our story and it tells the reason why we exist, why I started the school and, and just um, some really great things to, to know about the work that, that we're doing as a school, I'm doing as a school leader, but most importantly what the movement is doing here in our state. 
Hey, my brother, you know what? You sound like when you're talking about what your students are doing, you sound like one proud father, one proud papa. Okay. My <laughs> kids. I am, man. I'm proud of you, man. And uh, thanks for taking the time. I do want to have you back on the show because yes, I got sir. some contrary views of this Opportunity School District situation. Sure, so I'm going to have a little debate show coming up. All right, so uh, I like the way you explained it, you know. And I had uh, some people on a, a couple months ago, and they explained it in a totally different way. So I'm going to let you get on with your journey, my brother. I want to thank you for coming out this evening. And I yes, look sir. forward to working with you in the future. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Mark. All right. All right, thank man. You. Take it easy. Bye-bye. All right. As you heard it, fellas, you know what? I was going to go to break, but I was so pumped up now about this conversation. I'm going to bring in my next guest uh, here, Ms. Carter. I'm going to unmute her here in a second, but before I do that, i got to put something on that uh, makes me think of her when I so uh, let's, let me put this on real quick. I'm going to bring this back. Super bad. James Brown coming at you. Watch me. Watch it. All right. I got it. I want to play a little bit of that. This time I'm going to bring you on the call right now because I've been working with you for the past month or so, trying to help her, you know, write a business plan. But uh, every conversation, like she's one that actually prompted this conversation that we're having this evening just from the information I've learned from her having a discussion about building her school. Uh, so welcome to the show, Ms. Andrea Carter, founder and executive director of the Mosaic Schools in Gary, Indiana, and soon to be international. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Mark. Um, I'm really honored, and uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show today. All right. So I'm going to give you a little applause here. All right. But I'm going to read a little bit of your bio, and then we're going to have the same conversation, but a little more in depth. I might even have to extend the show a little bit. But she is also someone that she's a Gary native and has 15 years of education experience from multiple states, spanning grades, K through college, with a specific concentration in mathematics and literacy development and early enrichment for children. She co-founded a charter school in Cleveland, Ohio, and has developed and implemented a number of successful educational initiatives. She's elated to bring her skills as an educational leader back home to Gary, Indiana, after being away for 20 years, and to work with the community as a partner in education to ensure that the children there, their success is not only at their school, Mosaic schools, but also in life. So how is that? Was that all right? Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm humbled. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm humbled. So uh, just like I had uh, Mr. Miller do, why don't you introduce yourself, and we'll start a little conversation about you, and and then we'll get into what your school is doing. Okay. Uh, uh, my name is Andrea Carter. Um, I, uh, I was uh, born and uh, reared in Gary, Indiana. I was gone for about um, two decades, and I worked on, our, as uh, Mark said, a number of educational initiatives throughout the state, and um, I came back in 2012. I would always uh, keep myself abreast on the uh, educational climate in my hometown of Gary, and um, I would always um, be, you know, I was always wanting to see things happen a little differently 
the opportunity presented himself presented itself, and I came back home to work on the school project in 2012 to open um, a number of schools in Indiana. So we opened our first uh, school uh, in 2014. 2014 school year. And you still with me? Yes, I'm still with you. We opened okay. our uh, right. we opened our uh, first. Uh, we cl- completed our first school year in 2014 and 2015. I did work on a, a project in 2004. We opened a uh, charter school for at-risk youth in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I really enjoyed uh, um, Mr. Miller that uh, was uh, talking about the Utopian Academy. Uh, It seems like they're doing wonderful things. And with the charter school, I believe that the narrative uh, that came about when charter school, the charter school law uh, came into uh, play and, and the narrative that came about within the communities, people were saying, oh, it's, it's taking money away from the traditional or the local school district, but the money actually just follows the child to that charter school. So they're not necessarily losing the money. The parent has a choice in the matter, and they choose to put their child in um, a charter school, and they have a choice because they're taxpaying citizens. So the money actually just follows that child, so it's not additional money that's actually coming out that local school mm-hmm. district. And so, so I think it's a wonderful thing. Minute, yeah, let's talk for a minute. You know, I, I didn't really get into it with him, but you and I had a, a great conversation about mm-hmm. the actual state of our education system today. We are talking about what's going on in the school systems and the struggles that the teachers have and things like this. I, I don't think people are really aware of what's happening. Um, oh, sure. I, 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 I don't want to get specific, but I, I, some of the things you brought forth, I, you know, I'm still, you know, going, wow, okay, I had no idea. So you can just oh, yeah. and maybe it's unique to Gary, maybe it's not, I don't know. Um, I believe that when when working I worked in a number of uh inner cities, um also uh including um the Atlanta metro area and um in my opinion and, and based on supporting evidence, I believe um we are in a nine one situation nine one one situation when it comes to our children. Um, there is a deliberate dumbing down of uh, of a nation, and um, it's it's no longer popular to be an intellectual, but um, it's it's popular if you can you know I guess the um, narrative is the, the twerking and and it's it's you see the um, you see a lot of our parents um, a number of our parents in, in in the inner city where they feel as if um, there's a a sense of entitlement. Um, they feel as if um, it's just a victim mindset, and we just have to have things in place to um, help those or serve them in order for them to uh, move forward on a continuum. Continuum, and right now, it's not that's not being addressed. Um, so, what we see in our inner cities in terms of uh, the um, Violence among youth. Uh, it, it, it appears that our youth have have uh, lost their moral compass. Um, it's 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 we're losing a whole generation again 
it's like the cycle is just repeating itself from it's going from one generation to the next generation. Um, I have a number of examples to give you. I, I could share with you, but just to say we're just in a 911 situation. Even when you look at our um, our state assessments, our test scores across the nation, we are uh, not only um, uh, testing, our test scores are not only lower than um, the uh, Caucasian counterparts, but even the Hispanics or the Latino, if you will, have surpassed us in in our test scores. And um, we're once again um, seeing that um, gap in achievement, not only in, in the Caucasians, but also with the um, uh, Latino um, population. It's, it's and a growing. That's, that's when we talked about this. This history. Nine one one, nine one one. Yeah, I like you said we're a nine one one situation. Now, talk for a minute uh, too about the fact that because of your what you're trying to do with your business, you've actually looked at the education system on an international basis. How does that compare to what, what's going on here in the states? Yeah, uh, uh, another one of the uh, conversations uh, yeah what we have discussed was just the disparity in education between um, the Western world and other countries. We're currently planning two locations, two schools in Lagos, Nigeria. Our school is actually, uh, we have transitioned to uh, Mosaic International School, and uh, we're planning two schools in Lagos. And uh, I have, uh, a number of people have, reached out to me in regards to the disparity in education in this country and why is it that when foreigners are particularly those from Nigeria, when their their students enter our schools, whether it be middle school or whether it be high school, it seems as if the the education system here has been watered down um, and they seem to do very well. Is it inherent? Is it uh, something that is an innate ability? Is it, or are they just taught differently? And their school system is is different. Um, but they, we, and in our school, actually, we we are part of the we're part of the team. So they have in, in one semester they have fourteen classes. They may have biology, chemistry, and physics in in one quarter as well as accounting, as well as uh, calculus. And so majority of the classes that they take uh, in their middle school years, what we consider middle school, um, uh, by the time, what we take in high school, they have already taken it in in the middle school years. So when they transfer into our system, it appears that they seem to be much smarter, but they have already been exposed and mastered the content. And once again, we lag behind in our colleges. I think, um, don't quote me, but for instance, in the University of Illinois, the majority of their engineering students are international students, and they're receiving, you know, higher test scores than our students. And um, so. so. Okay, so we've stated what the problems are. Now let's talk about what you're doing with Mr. Miller, he was just on the things that you guys are doing to try to change this. Let's talk about Mosaic Schools, the concept that you put together to launch the schools that are proving very successful. Sure, no problem. And I just wanted to touch on 
we're 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 not a uh, charter. We are a choice. Uh, we're considered a choice or voucher school, and um, what mm-hmm. that means is we are a private school. We privately ran just like a charter school, but we um, mo- our schools are either parochial or um, private re- or religious based entities, and with a mm-hmm. charter school. Um, it has to be they are they're not allowed to bring in the religion aspect, but with our particular school we are we we can just like Georgia State is a public school and it's publicly funded uh Notre Dame on the other hand is a private college, however it's publicly funded, so we are a private school okay. but we're publicly funded so it's it's a little different okay. um one of the issues that we have uh, come across and I'm getting to with this is that we've had a lot of opposition from the teachers' union. Um, other than the South, most of the northern states, uh, your east and the west, we have very strong teachers' unions. And teachers' union won't control because if they have a – if they can have – when you work for a public school system, you're automatically part of the teachers' union. And the more members they have, the more control they have. The more control they have, they can dictate the next governor if you will, and they can control the different states. And that was one of the issues they have with the charter school movement as well as our voucher school movement, that we are actually pulling teachers away from the traditional school setting that and they don't they no longer have to be a part of the teachers union. So it's also a political underlying as well. And then you also have families or people, if you will, in, in our society, unfortunately, that um um, their children's success is predicated on another child's failure. And so if we have a charter school that is uh, actually, or a voucher school like our school that is actually able to give this parent a choice in the matter to uh, ensure that or assist in their child being successful, then that means that we have a group of students now that are on the same level playing field as a suburban student, and that's a problem in this in the nation, because my mm. mindset, or some parents, not my mindset, but what I'm saying is, some parents' mindset is that, you know, as long as there's not a playing level uh, a level playing field, my child can be even more even more successful. Those jobs will that 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 door is closed for that particular group of people of those children, and that's what we have seen clearly. Mm in the state of Indiana and also in other states. I think it's about 12 other states that have the voucher school law. Um, mm. What we do this mm, – I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Keep going. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Um, and, 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 what, and I, I just – just being in education and um, uh, working on uh, expanding our program, you see things that – you know, the underlying current is just political. You know, we live in a capitalist um, society, and um, it's almost as if the, the survival of the fittest. If we can keep, can deliberately keep people naive, keep them gullible, then we can control the masses, you know, and that's what we call the dumbing down of America. And so that was my position when I, you can clearly see that. I, I was clearly waiting for quote-unquote, a superman to come to Gary, and I, I would just encourage and empower and work on the sidelines and say, hey, this is my hometown, go for it. But I, for years, waited for a superman to come back to my hometown 
to um, resurrect or assist with the uh, state of education. About 50 years ago, five decades ago, Gary, Indiana had the best schools in the entire world. China would actually come to Gary, Indiana and, and look at their schools. Um, they would come and look at the infrastructure. This was uh, five decades ago when we had the best schools in the nation. So I know as a uh, community uh, that we can and we will do better. And that's what a mosaic is here for. You know, our name derived from mosaic. He was uh, Moses. He was the deliverer of God's people. He was instructed to bring them out of their captivity. And that's all why we're here. When your mind is closed, you are in bondage. And that's what we see in inner city. We in, there, the children, the families are in bondage. When if you don't stand for anything, you're going to fall for everything. And so when they tell our children mm-hmm. and our families in the inner city, you're savages. Okay, they said we're savages, so that's how we're going to conduct ourselves. So we're here to bring them out of that bondage. We're here to bring them out of the grips of Pharaoh and put them on solid ground and take them to the promised land and let them know the promise is within them. Greatness resides within them. They are not children of at-risk children. They are children of promise. So tell me so this. That, what, mm-hmm. So what about the way that you're working with the students is different than what's going on in the public school system? What what techniques are you using? What's your, I don't want you to give out too much of your special sauce, okay, but what are you doing to work with the children that makes it a little bit different than what they're currently experiencing. One of the key things in working with our students is, um, I think, is, um, you know, you can have, you can have the best curriculum. Um, we have Common Core standards. We have the Indiana standards, which actually mirror the Common Core standards, which is a set of standards that, or the foundation that each, that each child must have in a certain grade level. Um, you can have the best lesson plans. But if your child does not believe in themselves, um, when I was a teacher, I would receive, uh, when I was a teacher, um, I would teach, uh, say I was teaching fourth grade, and I would have, most of the students I would have were reading significantly below grade level. Um, their spirits had been broken by the time they, I, I received, I, I, they came to me. And I had to, before I even laid the foundation or began to, uh, teach them the uh, curriculum, per se, or the, the state standards, I had to unpack what they've been through in the education system, not even at home yet. But people have told them and, and, and told them that what they couldn't do, that they were nothing. And that's one of the things that we do. Uh, we have a, um, and we can talk about that later, but we have a pledge of our school that tells it. I It's basically the essence of our pledge is that I am great. I am great. I am a child of promise. And so we build up their self-esteem, their self-concept first, and have them to believe that they can do anything they put their mind to because they already have mm-hmm. the academic um, ability, but they it's, it's just buried under all these things that they have experienced from home and um, what they experienced from their uh, former school, former education. And um, so once we wow. get to that point, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying, wow. We have so no, many I'm children, like... I remember. Yeah, I remember the former uh, Marva Collins, 
um, and she was just, you know, the, the top educator in the nation at schools, and they uh, tapped her to be the secretary of education a number of times, and she declined, of course, but she said that um, having, a, having a personal conversation with her, she said our number one issue was, you know, in our community was just low self-esteem. We were looking for validation, whether it's through our, our clothes or the joys that we wear. And we say, why are people killing for joys? Because that's where their self-worth lies and what they have on. Because we have been told that we were savages. We are, that's what we told. That's the narrative in our community. Oh, we're, we're done. We can't do this. We can't do that. And so we have to retrain um, our children. When I talk to our parents, I say, hey, you're raising a future doctor. And then they look around to see who I'm talking about. And I'm looking right at their child. Wow. They have no belief in their own child because they have no belief in themselves. A majority, majority of our parents, was, we, you know, work within the inner cities. I wasn't nothing. My child's not going to be anything. This is just a babysitting place for us. So not only do we work with our children, we also work with the mentality of our parents as well, that they're raising great okay. That That's a good point. I was going to ask that question. You can't do it in a vacuum. Uh, so if you're working with the children, and I think that's one of the failures of the public school system, they're not working with the parents. How can you educate the child and not educate the parent as well? Um, and I think that's very, very important because uh, the parents are – you know, passing the same information back down to the child. Now, one of the, you know, what I've seen, the trend that I've seen, what has really, actually, what has really changed for uh, me in the last couple of years, what I've seen in the shift in education, if you will, uh, we always had no consensus, uh, no blaming. Um, These children are going to learn by any means necessary. The parent is not, necessarily involved because a number of our parents may not, they may be illiterate, and that's just, that's the reality. And I've had a number of parents, believe it or not, young parents that were illiterate um, through different states that I taught, but uh, that that didn't stop me from ensuring that that child was successful that school year. But what I've learned and what I've seen, a different trend um, in one of our in one of our uh, metropolitan cities, we receive a lot of students from uh, one of the largest metropolitan cities in the, in the nation, um, is that it's how the system, the system has created, uh, has created something whereas if a child is, has learning disabilities or um, it's not faring well in school, parents can get, uh, a check for that. And so when you have parents that, that, that are without vision and um, they feel hopeless, you know, they're going to try anything they can to get extra income, unfortunately. And uh, we have parents and that were actually working against our school because the fact that there were monies tied in their child failing in school, and it I believe it's deliberate because from my experience in the last two decades for African, and this is a different subject, but I'm going to put out there real quickly, for African-American males, it's a, a high percentage of our African-American males that are um, on medication, are on Ritalin, are 
on medication for having ADHD, and Ritalin is a derivative of heroin. So we're starting our children young, and those children are um, are more uh, inclined to, are uh, more susceptible to uh, being a drug addict. Actually, it's it's a double. I believe the the rate is like uh, oh. double the rate of regular students. And you know, a lot of the ADA medication has is a derivative of heroin. And oh. so now, no, I have a call of this. Okay, I'm sorry. No, I have a caller that wants to ask you a question. I'm going to bring him in. Uh, caller with the last four digits, 9494. Welcome to the show. Hello? Yes, hello. Hey, if you're on. Hi, how are you? Oh, I wonderful. How are you? <laughs> yeah, how are you? Oh, um, wonderful. I'm just wondering, good. I'm just wondering, I'm listening to you, and I'm just wondering, what is it that um, – because what you are talking about um, is something that I'm interested in, like working with the families. Um, I worked in the school system for a very long time as a tutor in other various capacities, and I am trying to – I work with a program called Parents for Public Schools, and right now I'm trying to um, do something where we are getting to the parents because the parents is where you really need to get to in order to help the children because you can help the children – you can help them during the day, but once they leave, it's something totally different. Um, and they come from all various kind of backgrounds. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to how is it that you help to bring the parents in or help to build the children up when you do have them because sometimes you're not able to get to the parents? Um, we are able to, uh, at, at our particular school, well, one of the things that, we have to um, – it's like an, it's an everyday challenge. That's an excellent question, and um, I, I feel your passion. You're very passionate about what you do, and um, what you do is, is very needed, and it's very disheartening when um, you're, you're trying to deal with parents and trying to move them along. I, I don't know the type of parents that you deal with, but – so a number of our parents, every day is a crisis. Every yeah. single day is a crisis. And so yeah. um, there is a program out there where you help them, and now they may not be, you know, they may not buy a six-figure home, but what you can do is help to minimize the crisis that they have in their lives. And um, you you bring them in um, and meet with them. We We partner with a parenting organization, and they actually talk with them about decision making and 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 how to evaluate a situation or the advantages or the disadvantages. Um, we also, if if there is some type of um, uh, substance abuse involved, we have programs okay. for them as well. Um, we have counselors on staff. We contracted with a counseling agency, and um, they work with the, they help the parents. I don't think that there's just a, a blanket solution because everybody's situation is different. But I think right. if we, we continue to dialogue and talk to the parents, um, just giving, getting them away from the entitlement mentality and, yes. um, and um, the um, I'm a victim, you know, to everybody else's fault and not taking accountability. And um, 
that was one of the things that we actually sat down with the parents. And uh, it's, it's very disheartening uh, because we had a situation. We did everything that we knew how. I mean, we we prayed with the, with, with the child. But um, okay. there was a mentality out there. And um, from uh, we deal with a lot of children from Chicago. And okay. um, Chicago right now is the murder capital of the nation. Right. And the mindset that is ingrained in the parents, they actually, it actually goes, they actually teach that mindset to the children, but the children aren't necessarily able to process, like, no, that may not be the best. So what we do is um, we really, really work with the kids. And For instance, we had um, our babies in Chicago are just getting killed on the street. And we had a family, for instance, um, they said, well, my mom said we don't lose a fight. Well, that is the that is the philosophy, the street philosophy in Chicago, right. which is causing all these murders. And so, just talking with the child and say, "Hey, you know, there's another solution," um, and and helping them understand the other solution. But then again, when they go home, it's a different story. And I just, unfortunately, I we can't save them all. Um, and that's just. I think about that every single day, and it just it's it's heartbreaking because yeah. you walk away and you say you say that if there's not another intervention, this child would not make it to the age mm-hmm. of eighteen, and mm-hmm. that's reality. That is our reality as a community all over the nation. If there's no intervention, another intervention, and we wow. do what we can. And when you're talking to the parent and say that, you know, no one is going to allow you to um, assault them and walk away, and that's why they bring the guns in. And, and, and my question to her was, do you want to see your child in a body bag before they're 18, or do you want to see right. them in prison for the rest of their lives for taking someone else's life? Right. And she said she had never really thought of that before. Because at this point we have fourth graders, Scary straight would not help. They were gone at that point. Right. Taking them to a morgue mm-hmm. is not. But just talking to the parents and say, hey, this is the reality. You know, you can get angry at me if you want to, but this is the reality. A body bag right. or prison for the rest of their lives. Wow. And, and I think where we are, where we live, I think it's, um, it's not so much as a body bag, but it's sometimes the parents that you want to reach don't come out, <laughs> you know, no. and so you have that are already there, engaged, involved, doing what they're supposed to do, and it's, those aren't the ones that come out. And so it's like you try to have incentives. Hey, we have a $25, you know, Walmart card or gas card or anything, you know, and try to entice them with food, but I don't know. It's, it's just because very discouraging they, sometimes. They, yeah, it is discouraging because they're always in crisis mode. And something yes. is going on in their world. It's so much chaos in their world. Things that we don't think would be chaotic or things that are just, really, oh, my my tire blew out. Okay, let me just go to Firestone. This totally right. different. It's a whole right. gamut of issues that if their tire blow out, what am I going to do? You know, this right. was my $20 to buy groceries, and it goes on and on and on. And um, and, and you're you're correct. 
One of the things that I witnessed one time was, and I'll make it real quick, um, and I said we have to do better. I talked to a provost. This was about the early college program. And um, they were giving students about, it equated to maybe ten or $15,000 worth of college classes when they finish college, finish high school, they'll have an associate's degree. And okay. um, one of the issues was um, it was a downturn of the economy, and one of the issues was that they no longer could offer the parents um, to pay for the pa- a book check or book voucher. So the books were like $200. Okay. And um, the parents were going to throw away this scholarship because they couldn't find it, transportation and or bunnies to pay for $200 for books when someone was giving you a $15,000 degree because I was the only colored person of color in the room and the majority of the students that were participating in the program was a person of color. You know, my, I, I, I was, I was speechless, Yeah. but we had to, you know, talk about to them, okay, here's the value. But at the end of the day, we had to actually find the money. Otherwise that the students would, you know, the students wouldn't be able to participate in the program. Right. So as a team, we had to find the money. But the parents did right. not see that the value. In, well, right. All they no, saw they don't was see it because that's not something. Yeah, and they didn't, that's a lot of times because they didn't see that themselves. You know, right. in Kalamazoo, we oh, have yeah. a Kalamazoo Promise, which gives free education. But mm-hmm. kids, if the parents aren't involved and the kids aren't there, then it doesn't matter how free it is. We, one of the things we have done was we have worked. One of the things I did uh, in the past was you said, you know, you how you offer the, the food um, as an incentive to come out to the meeting. Um, one of the things that I did, I would have one-on-one conversations just letting them know that we're not the enemy because, first of all, you know, you do have some of the parenting skills are not as effective as others. And um, they think that because you tell the students that they have to abide by rules and regulations that we're the we're 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 monsters and we don't like their child because they tell their child yes to everything. And one yeah. of the things I had to, you, I'm sure you experienced that. And one of the things we had to say was, help us help your child. We're here for your child. That's what we're here for. We're we're not here for any other reason but to ensure that Johnny is successful. And it, mm-hmm. it's all, you know, and, and but that didn't ha- that doesn't happen overnight, as you said. You know, it's a, it's a process. I actually interviewed uh, people that came from um, Robert Taylor Homes and Cabrini Green, and, the, you know, they, they made it out through mentorship, and I was asking them, how do we go back and assist those parents? And mm-hmm. um, they didn't really have answers for me. You know, they were like it's almost as if they they just didn't have uh, they just didn't have an answer. So we we do the best we can, and we continue to believe and say, hey, if we we made it, you know, we still believe that these students can. But we we just can't save them all. And if we save even right. if we save one, that one can save a thousand. Well, right? you know what? I would like to, We're gonna uh, have if, to uh, if the host you know can. If the no, host can connect us later and we can, yeah, if the host okay. can connect us later and we can continue talking, I would like to. I would definitely love to continue right. dialogue. So, mm-hmm. 
Okay. All right. Thank well, you. thank you. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, caller. All right. Wow. What a commentary. You know, you. Uh, I'm sure the people that are listening really got some information that they probably never really heard before. But I want to commend you on the passion that you have, what it is you're doing here, and you're getting ready to take it international. And I just want to tell you that I'm very happy to have listened to your dialogue and listened to your purpose and able to assist you with, I mean, you made it so much aware to me that this is such a critical, critical path for us that if we don't fix it, we are doomed. You know, I mean, there's no mm-hmm. ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, there's so um, so. Applaud you what you're doing with Mosaic Schools, um, and anything I can do to try to help you make it happen. Um, I'm here. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to give you a. I want to give you a. You know, couple minutes here. I usually let people at the end of the show say something that they want to get a message out to the parents and to the callers about what it is we're doing. I want you to go ahead and how to reach you if they want more information. You can um, you can do that at this point. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, our our website is uh, www.mosaicschools.org. Um, M O S A I C. Uh, I just wanted to say that I'm very I'm very honored um, to be on the show uh, and to to share our story um, and um, our our story of. Uh, of a victory because we believe that our children are children of promise. Um, we believe that each child that crossed our path, they're crossing our path for a reason, that we can pour into them and let them know that they are made of greatness. Um, we are our plan. Our goal is in working with Mark Parham is to plant over 100 schools within the next 10 years um, across the globe. Um, we are... Uh, Based, uh, Christian based, we're non denominational, but in planning our schools and educating our youth, we also like to, we are also expanding the kingdom of God as well. Because in, in, um, in order for us to be well rounded, not only do we need to have the, um, the, the Christ driven um, uh, peace, but we also have to be educated as well. Um, in order for us to be earth, of earthly good, we we need we definitely need to have that education. So um, I just wanted to say thank you very much. We're off, we also are uh, expanding our campus in South Bend, Illinois, which is a, excuse me, Indiana, which is an hour away from where we're located in Gary. And we're just very excited for the opportunities and um, what's what's coming in, down the pipeline for us. All right. Well, thank you for coming out. And I look forward to having a further conversation about making these dreams happen, making this okay. dream a reality. Thank All you. Right. Thank, Thank you. you. Mm-hmm. Sure. I appreciate Take care. Bye bye. Right. Uh, well, you heard it this evening, educating our youth. You heard so many ways that we're working to try to do it. You also heard how important it is that we make it happen. You've been listening to Mark Parham, a little longer show this evening. I couldn't stop that momentum. Sometimes you got to just roll with it. We listen to Mark Parham, Cat Builder Talk, real talk with real people, talking about real issues facing small business in our community. I look forward to our next encounter. Next show, July 4th, I'll be doing a playback show, but until then, just be safe.
Thank you for joining us this evening on the Cap Builder Talk radio show with your host, Mark E. Parham. Real talk with real people talking about real issues facing small business today. To be a guest or for more information, go to capbuildertalk.com. Please post comments on facebook.com forward slash capbuildernetwork. We hope you enjoy the show. Fashion emergency hotline. Help! My mom doesn't think I need to go back to school. You have to go to school. It's the law. You didn't let me finish. She doesn't think I need to go back to school shopping. That should be a law. Go to Old Navy. You'll be voted best dressed before school even starts. Old Navy? Yes. Right now, kids' clothes are up to 60% off. 60% off? Yeah. The hallway will be your runway. They have awesome graphic tees, colorful active gear, and jeans start at just $10. Now you're talking. Thank you. Don't thank me. Thank Old Navy. Balance 728-92. Select styles only. I figured out who the neighbor around the corner is. Oh, yeah? I like him a lot. He lets me talk as much as I want, is very simple, and has great plans. (laughs) Okay, I have to meet him. Sure. Say hi. This is Metro PCS. Metro PCS is in your neighborhood. Come say hi and get unlimited data, talk, and text for only $30, period. All on the fast nationwide 4G LTE T-Mobile network. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. One gigabyte of high-speed data included. See store for details, terms, and conditions at data management info. 